Welcome to Reconstructed Faith, a podcast where we talk about truth you can build your life on. We hope to dive into the hard conversations of life and faith and seek out reasonable, substantive answers. My name is Colson Lechner, and I'm joined by Chris Sherrod and Chris Legg. This is Reconstructed Faith. All right, we're here, uh, Chris and I, and uh, once again, we are without Colson for this part of the conversation, and uh, and so we're missing him, but um, uh, he'll be back very quick, very soon on the podcast, and so given that we don't even know exactly what order things fall out, uh, we don't know if you've been missing him or not. So um, here's what we're going to do. We just recorded last week um, a podcast with um, a relatively well-known atheist podcaster named David Smalley. And I, as we say in the introduction there, I've been on the podcast, I've been on his podcast a couple of times. I think those episodes, they go back far enough that they're probably on Patreon and behind the paywall or something else for David. But, um, and then I had a conversation with him where we took turns asking questions of one another and, or excuse me, answering people's questions here at the church a few years ago. And that is at southspring.org. You can go down into the talks and teaching and you can find that um, that where he's asking, he's answering certain questions and I'm answering those same questions. So uh, Chris Sherrod and I decided we ought to have him on the podcast and he was available. And so you're about to hear in a minute, probably the first half-ish of that conversation that we had him here in the studio. And so we want to do a little introduction um, for that. And, uh, and so before you hear our conversation with him, um, one, and I'm going to turn it over to Chris here. One is, you know, what were our goals in having this conversation with him? Were we trying to convert and convince him here on the podcast that that, that was going to happen? What was our, you know, how did you see it that why we had him on and why we were having this conversation? Yeah. You've been on a show. I have. Oh, yep. Was that before he came here? Yeah. Wow. Two times I was on. They how were did, three hours each. Really? That was the whole, and I, I think this may be on there. That was the whole, and Easter when I okay. threw down the gauntlet that no one, no free thinking groups would let me come answer questions at their free thinking group here in and East Texas that we could find. And apparently there's no one between here and California <laughs> who would be willing to have that. Ha- just kidding. But the, um, but David was willing to have me on his show. Okay. That's actually his, I, I don't know what the right word is. That's kind of his gimmick on the show is he has believers in different things. Anyone who has a dogmatic belief in anything. Um, in fact, the only conversion I've seen David do is he didn't used to be a vegan, and then he had a PETA guy on, really? and and apparently has now become... I didn't know this literally until here. he was here the other day when I tried to give him some chocolate-covered pretzels, and he was like, no, nah, I'm, a, I'm a vegan now. So it's like, oh, okay, well, that impacted you. But yeah. anyway, um, and I'm, so... I'm vegan, and I wouldn't have known that that was wrong. <laughs> So I'm not a very good vegan, I guess. I would have been like, sure. Sure, why not? They sound great. Um, so anyway, what were you thinking when you when we were have decided to have him on? What were you yeah. hoping to accomplish there? Well, I'd actually talked to my – I was asking some of my kids just to you know pray for it to go well. And one of the things I specifically told them was, I don't want this to turn into a debate. Right. Um, our goal, even with this podcast, is to listen to and, and try to understand – reasons for people deconstructing their faith right and then answer that or help them reconstruct it and so um especially i didn't realize how he had been raised that he was you know raised in the church and things like that and really until that morning um so our goal was let's hear your deconversion story or your deconstruction story and 
it's just one of those things where so many things we could have spent hours on just a topic. <laughs> yes. And yes. I think both you and I, there, everything, everything in us wanted to be like, oh, no, but what about, because before you know it, we're talking about iron chariot wheels. And right. it's like, no one is really interested in that right now. Right. And part of that is because uh, he kept bringing other issues up. But I think as people listen, we want them to hear his real story. Right. And uh, think for themselves. Right. Are those good reasons or not? And then, let him say stuff. And so we were trying, I think we did a, a pretty good job of letting him talk. Yep. And maybe trying to throw out a few things. But again. Most of ours were questions, I yeah. feel like. like and all of a sudden. But what about this right. or what about that? And all of a sudden we're talking about abortion. We're talking about Pharaoh and, right. you know, the death of the firstborn. Like we're talking about so many things that I'm just going, man, each one of these things. This isn't why we, we and again, it's like we want to be friendly and nice right. and not turn it into this big debate and neither of us came i would say if we ever do something like that we need to have like parameters like okay we're that's, only yes. going to talk about morality yes we're only going to talk about that's actually so the you know david dykes to do the conversational thing and a lot of people in that on that side of the aisle uh do and and honestly i think that's part of why um that's part of why I, when we did it here at the church it was okay you're going to answer a question and then i'm going to answer the same question and we'll yeah. see whose worldview answers the question better yeah and it's not back and forth, and we're not changing topics, and we're not going to commercial breaks, and we're not doing stuff like that. And and so I just, I mean, one, I want those listeners out there to know I, I love David, and I, I pray for him and his family, and especially learning. I mean, he's had a rough few years. He's faced a divorce. He's faced some you know mental illness challenges in his family, then hearing about the death of his uh, uh, kind of stepson, I guess, his his son, and... um. Man, that's that's enough to push anybody pretty hard. And so, yeah. anyway, continue to pray for David, uh, even as you listen to this. And um, but yeah, one of the things you're probably going to experience listening is the is that we'll, we will start a thought in the conversation, and then and then we'll we'll very quickly be moving to a different thought. Right. Um, and so I think that's I think that's con- after now I've spent ten hours talking to David in different settings. And I don't know if that's a thing for David or if it's just kind of a common thing now, that, but that seems to be the process is, okay, but before we can really unpack one thing, like you were saying, Chris, that, that it might be an hour or two, there are books written, right. in some cases, millions of pages of material written on a question that gets, um, that when you're talking to David gets 45 seconds of attention. Right. Um, before you move on to something else. And so, but but I want to make sure you guys know out there, I, I knew that going in because I've spent the time with David before. And so my goal, again, like Chris was saying, our goal was to listen, to let him talk about these things, to let him throw these things out. One, what it was, as I told him at the end of the podcast, it was a great kind of chapter heading for us going, all right, what topics need to be podcasts? Uh, right. And a lot of his topics that he threw out there could be entire podcast. And we don't even know how long it will take us to unpack all the material that he gifted us with. Um, and so, um, man, I, I, I'm, I am grateful to him. He drove out here to do it and, and I'm grateful for him doing it. And my guess is he will play it largely, if not, or or entirely unedited on his podcast. Mm -hmm. Um, and so he'll, there'll be some attention out there that, that he will, you know, be willing to give us as well for people. And I, I appreciate that about David. I would say one, uh, challenge before you listen to it is to put on your own uh, thinking caps and 
and, and try to think logically, did that make sense? Or a big one that we already talked about was uh, anyone can throw out any claim. Right. And then you fact check it, like a verse that he quoted where you were like, later, like, that's not what that verse says. Right. Or like it literally was the wrong. It was not there right. at all. Like, right. It just wasn't there. Or the monkey morality thing. Uh, I was like, okay, hmm, that's interesting. I, I hadn't heard that. And then I looked up like 10 articles right. from like all these different, um, you know, academic papers about something that said the opposite about animals and morality right. and rape and things like that, that, uh, that go against what he said. So I think it's, it's a good example of people hearing arguments and feeling overwhelmed or intimidated right. and then going, Oh my goodness, I guess all of this. And if you're not in a safe place to, to bounce these ideas off anyone else and you're isolated, right. You could really just lose your faith. Just be like, okay, well he said it. So I guess that's true. Right. Rather than like, okay, well let me, think this through. See, did anyone ever come up with another yes. response? So I think it'll be helpful that way. I've, I've referenced before the, um, and I, I spotted one of the places where it was, he referenced his book, which he used to be kind of, he yeah. used to kind of downplay his own book. And so having read his book and then the first time we met, I was like, okay, David, I read your book. And he's like, Oh, I don't, before the podcast started, he's like, I don't want to talk about that. He's like, that's all outdated. And so I was so impressed or surprised that he referenced the book. And when we talked the other day, and one of the big things in the book is his is the comparison between Jesus Christ and you know Mithras or or Horus or uh, other resurrection myths resurrection and myths and, and stories. Yep. And uh, and I had already done a lot of research on that at the time, and it's on it's at it's on my website at, at chrismleg.com because uh, man, I will tell you. So this is part of our conversation is I, I am really fascinated by things that seem to call my faith into question. And, and that doesn't, I'm not, I don't get scared, I get fascinated. Mm-hmm. Um, because I figure if I learn something that proves that what I believe is wrong, I need to not believe it. Right. And that, that's kind of my standard, yes. like I, if something does that. And so I'm like, well, that would, that would certainly at least call some interesting questions into how would I engage with that. And then when I did the research, it, it is, there was a book published 150 years ago that posited this, and it has been absolutely dismantled by every historian who's touched it. And yet, to this day, it will be copied and pasted. The material will be on atheist and, and infidel websites as if it's brand new, cutting edge stuff. And and um, or they'll just say, "Well, everyone knows," and it's just like this blanket right. statement that. Everyone knows that it's just a, without any backing of, right. of facts. And and in fact, sometimes it isn't. So anyway, I, and here's the, the last thing I'd say before we say, all right, roll, roll that bean footage is, is, um, so what if, what if somebody's out there, Chris, and they hear this, our questions, they hear these arguments and they really connect to something that they, so they're a Christian and here we are exposing them to some atheist arguments and they're questioning already, they're doubting already. Yep. And they go, oh my gosh, David just asked a totally valid question, or or he made a va- really an argument that I have a strong sympathy to, and I find myself mm-hmm. afraid, doubting, nervous, um, or justified in my deconstruction, and I don't know what to do with it. So, how would you recommend, yeah. since we're about to expose people to that? Yeah, um, what would you recommend they do with that? Well, I think part of me would be. Well, congratulations. You're thinking deeper about okay. these issues. Maybe you've never thought about them before. Right. I, I, I make the comparison sometimes to when you get a new, uh, like when you update your phone. Yeah. I just did that on my phone. Oh, and wow. And there's the user agreement or license or whatever. Yeah. 
And you I just always go, carefully read those. Yeah, right. And you just go, <laughs> I agree. I think for a lot of people, when stuff comes up like this, they're for the first time realizing, oh, I signed on to that. Right. I didn't think about that before. And, and again, because they're not thinking contextually or they've been trained to think like, well, if you disagree with something or you, it's weird to you, then you should throw it out. Rather like, well, is there a way I, I can think differently or right. either way, I would just say, don't, don't freak out. Don't panic. It's just, right. it's great to, to call it into question if you have really good reasons. But I would say be willing to think hard. I think a lot of the, the things that he threw out, um, people could go, yeah, 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 yeah. But they're not really thinking, but is there merit for that? And right. So think it through. Like if you think that's a good you know idea, but listen to both sides. I remember the first time I read Bertrand Russell's book, Why I'm Not a Christian. Yeah. I was really scared. I was like, okay. You know, as if there was going to be right. some new argument I'd never heard. And like page after page, I'm like, oh. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. So that's all he's got. You know what I mean? Like, yes. don't be afraid because if it's true, which is what you had talked about before, if Christianity is true, then it can, it can stand up to an inquiry. Right. With the understanding that there, there are always going to be things that God does or says that we might be like, uh, I don't know why, or I don't agree, or I don't get it. Right. But again, it goes back to, but is he God and can he, does he have the right to do that? Yeah. That's a, that is another strong part of the conversation that doesn't often come up, but we actually think we're about to probably going to in a few minutes record an, an episode, a podcast about that question and how we wrestle with that. So I agree. Don't be, don't be afraid. This is the very type of conversation that allows us to deconstruct the right things mm-hmm. and reconstruct the right things. Um, this is a, we, we are part of a faith in which the apostle Paul, the prolific writer told one of his students to test everything yeah. and keep that, which is right. And I, I think therefore we don't have to be afraid of that. Um, so if you find yourself in that, I agree. Do some research if you want to and, and write it down. And I would actually say, Chris, so I just listened to our podcast on um, heaven on heaven and hell, especially uh-huh. the one that came out, I guess, this week or last maybe week. last week or something. Mm-hmm. But um, uh, here's one of the things that struck me. If you're, if you're ever out there and you're a listener and you we're going to talk about something like hell and we get done and you're like, they totally skirted that. <laughs> they did not answer this question or that question. Call us on it. Send yeah. an email in. And uh, or whatever to the podcast, and 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 we will look at it, and we will come back and reengage with it. Because if we do that, that probably just means we got distracted, right? Or or forgot that that was part of the question or something. Um, and and we're not at all afraid to get called out on that. So, all right. So, and then the goal will be after you listen to this next week, the podcast will be us responding to the part you listened to, and then the next week will be the other part of the podcast with David. And then the next one after that will be us responding to some of those things. And, uh, and Lord knows, we'll see where that goes. So um, here we go with our, uh, our good friend, uh, David Small. Yeah, sure. Take First, it away. Let me just tell you, I appreciate you guys doing this. Uh, this is great. This, is, this open dialogue is going to be so important. Um, but yeah, and also letting me use this audio because I did drive a long way to get here. So that's going to be great. <laughs> yeah, thank you. And have, thank you. Have, appreciate that. To have content for my show because. Uh, 24 hours, right? What, what do you mean? That's how long you drove? I dro- yeah, well, 22 from, <laughs> from Los Angeles to the... Yeah, and then another... Yeah, pretty much. That's, it <laughs> it adds drove. up to... Yeah, I drove from Los Angeles okay, to, wow. to Dallas. I, I'm a stand-up comedian, uh, and I, I had shows in uh, Addison. I had one last night, the Addison Improv, and I'm there again uh, Wednesday on the 29th. Really? And okay. then uh, that's my primary job, do that, and I host my podcast, David C. Smalley Podcast, okay. uh, where I'm an atheist, and I speak with believers typically... Um, 
who are either questioning or they come on to tell me why I should you know, join their faith. Mm-hmm. It's always a really good, fun dialogue. And then I do a, a live monthly podcast at the Hollywood Improv where we have a couple of celebrity comedians on. We deal with some current events or, you know, make fun of some goofy country song or, or talk about <laughs> something in, in, in political news. And then we bring up up-and-coming comedians, let them do two minutes each. Okay. And then they get live feedback in front of a row of celebrity panels uh, in front of the audience. They wow. tell them what they think okay. about them right then. And you would think it would be mean, and it's really not. Uh, every comic that, that did it on the, the first one we did, they came up and they were like, man, that was so helpful. They gave me such good notes. They weren't even worried about the audience. Because right. as a comic, you get used to failing in front of people quite often. And so uh, it's helpful. It, same it's, same it's, for it's pastors, fun. by the way. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I bet. Any, anybody <laughs> who goes out feedback. there, anybody who goes out there, man, yeah. you you know, you put yourself out there. You realize that's a part of it. You know, you're gonna have to go fall on your face sometimes. So. Yep. So yeah, that's what I did. I was a, I was a believer for uh, the first I would say 16 to 18 years of my life. Um, I had some doubts, had some questions. Um, started asking my preacher and. Pastors. I was a musician. I was in the music ministry. I was a drummer, wow. and I was considering going to school to be a minister. And um, I just kept having these questions, and so I started reading the Bible on my own. I was baptized, and the moment that I was baptized really is what made me go, "Wait a minute, this is really official," hmm. and I'm really joining something important. And I remember the moment, and I talk about this in my book, uh, where and this is why I called it "Baptized Atheist" because the moment I was baptized, the pastor said, he goes, um, do you believe Jesus Christ died for your sins so that you may enter the kingdom of heaven? And I said, yes. And then he said, then you're hereby saved in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. And when he, when he dipped me in the water, just, it felt like time stopped. Mm. And, and I was just like, in that brief moment, as I, I paused my breathing, I thought, how does punishing the innocent pardon the guilty? That makes zero sense. Why would he allow his own son to go through that for just me? Mm-hmm. And why would he create this entire plan that would be so hurtful to so many people, including his own son? Uh, if he's in charge of the rules, he could make this so much easier. And then I was out of the water and I thought, uh-oh. <laughs> you know. So I had all of these doubts start rushing in. And then I immediately was being given my assignments for soul winning and door knocking. Yep. And I just kind of went, I feel like... I'd been given a jersey and put on a team, and I didn't even know what sport we were playing. I didn't know any of the plays. I didn't understand it. But I'm somehow now a representative of it. And I noticed as I looked mm. into it, a lot of religions do that. Mormons and the, the people who are barely just like 17, 18 years old into the, you're the, you're the spokesperson? Mm-hmm. You're going to be hit with so many questions. This is, that's, a, that's rough, you know. So typically it's the other way around. The person who knows more is the one who should be knocking on doors. Like, you know, Chris should be the one knocking on the doors going, I'd like to talk to you about our Lord and Savior because he's going to have answers for some of the questions. So I felt like um, a lot of that was already worrying me. And I think the pastor saw some doubt on my face because he just said, he didn't even look at me. He just leaned down and he goes, you know, son, you can't just say you believe. You need to know this to be true in your heart. Mm-hmm. And I just went, I don't. I don't. I need to do research. I need to figure this out. Yeah. So I read the entire Bible and I chronicled my work and I ended up, I was trying to resolve these issues. I was trying to help other people with my doubts and I ended up uh, becoming an atheist mm-hmm. in, in the in the, in the search for God. So that's kind of, and then, you know, then I started a blog, I wrote, wrote the book, became editor of American Atheist Magazine, started the podcast and for the last 11 years, I've been still searching for answers as a non-believer 
having pastors, preachers, and believers on the show to talk about their faith and why I should why I should have faith as well. Wow. So that's kind of my that's my that's my elevator pitch story. And did you grow up in California? No, no, no. I grew up in Texas. I grew <laughs> okay. up I grew up in Fort Worth, Texas, um, and uh, moved to Los Angeles. My podcast got somewhat popular. Uh, podcast One in Beverly Hills reached out to me, offered to move me out to Beverly Hills. Wow. So just like Jed Clampett, I, I loaded up the <laughs> loaded up the truck and uh, and moved. And then um, I'd all I'd always kind of flirted with stand up comedy um, and, and really kind of started started seriously in 2016. And so uh, immediately, because I had an audience or a following from the podcast, we could quickly pack out comedy clubs. So the clubs didn't really care that I was inexperienced. They cared that I put butt in seats. Mm-hmm. Uh, butts in seats, I should say. And so we did. We, we started packing out. Are you going to bleep out butts? <laughs> no, okay. no, no. I don't know how Christian we done, this podcast we done, was. We've done worse than <laughs> that. <laughs> okay, just checking. I'm, I'm, I'm running every because last no, but, night I was the opposite of this, and now I'm on a Christian podcast. Yeah, do, so yeah. really trying to do your best, yeah, but yeah, uh, yeah okay. we'll, we'll probably make it. We'll be okay. Okay. We joked about having for me or Chris a a, a buzzer <laughs> that would, <laughs> but the but it's strange words. It's it's weird words that, that we're we're strange about. That's the other ones, but. That's a whole other conversation. Gotcha. Yeah. So thankful, you know, I was thankful for the podcast audience because I was able to sharpen my. But you've changed the name of it. Yeah. It's no longer Dogma Debate. No, no, it was Dogma Debate for a while, and then I, I don't like saying these words, but my publicist was like, "You can't, like, you need to make it your name because there are people who know Dogma Debate and don't know David Smalley. I'm trying to get David Smalley on radio interviews and book uh. comedy clubs, and you're wasting an opportunity for people to know your name. So we changed it. They got to got to put my face in all the graphics. It's a little right, right, yeah, a little embarrassing, but for branding, they're right. You know, they that's what they needed to do. So, yeah. So now it's just called the David C. Smalley Podcast, and I also branched out. I don't just do religion. I, I, I take anyone who like has a strong belief about anything. We do, you know, people who believe in astrology and crystals and ghosts and near death experiences and Reiki healing and all of these sort of fringe beliefs. I just kind of challenge those in a respectful way and say, show me evidence for why you believe what you believe. Yeah. So that's kind of the point. But I, I try to keep it light as a comedian without <laughs> making fun of the person that's on the show, which right. is kind of a delicate line to, to walk, you know? Yeah. Yep. I feel like, especially today. <laughs> yeah. Today's, oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like people are yeah. so sensitive. Absolutely. To Absolutely. Absolutely. So when did you do, when did you come out here before to the church and do the live debate thing here? Is that 2019? 2017. Gosh, I went and looked really? it up. It's been that long. It's been that long. Wow. Yeah, in 2017. So I was on, uh, if you remember, wow. so the, the way we met, the um, I challenged at an Easter service, I, I kind of unpacked the rational case for the um, resurrection and then made a comment about how frustrating it was that I had tried to get in with any of the atheists agnostic free thinkers groups in, in any anywhere in Texas, in East Texas especially, and none of them would let me come. None of them were willing to, even to let me just come, much less come and ask me. I was like, I will come. I'll sit in that's, a chair in the middle. That's bizarre to me because every group I know would love to have you to have that discussion. So Man, that's, well, that's shocking to me. <laughs> I literally they, was, they might have thought you just wanted to show up and preach to a bunch of atheists, which they wouldn't allow. But, yeah, right. I mean, you, if you're willing to be questioned and to sit and talk, I don't know. Who would turn that down? That sounds fascinating. Well, apparently everybody around here. So, so what happened was, so a guy in the audience knew about David's podcast and said, "Well, I don't know about the atheists around here and such, but I'll I'll bet this guy will talk to you and and will do it." And so I was on the show twice back then in 2017, and then then uh, we had you come out here or you came out here, mm-hmm. and you and I sat on stage. And actually, 
David and I sat on stage and, and took turns answering questions that people oh, yeah. asked. Okay. And then, that, um, by the way, that's my favorite thing to do. Yeah. Like, uh, honestly, as much as I love stand-up comedy, I love doing that world. I love that. I love acting. I recently, I was on a Nickelodeon TV show as a bad guy. <laughs> I, and by the way, if you see that, those kids were for real scared. Like that. <laughs> Because the script didn't call for me to run at them full speed, but I was in character, you know. <laughs> anyway, that's a different, it's called Danger Force if you want to look it up. Okay. But I was, I was on this show, I was a criminal in a couple of ring commercials, breaking into, you know, houses and stuff. <laughs> and I think that kid saw some of those commercials and like had nightmares. Uh, yeah, about, I was going to say. Of me crawling through his window and then I just show up at his job, you know, it's a little bizarre. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, uh, I love sitting with a pastor or preacher in front of a congregation putting a face to this and going, you know, atheism isn't some dark art where we're, you know, eating kittens and babies and painting our fingernails black in order to, you know, light candles and create demonic. Like, it's just this so misunderstood concept. Many of us paint our fingernails black, but for different reasons. It's because it matches our pants, you know. Yeah. There's different reasons for it. <laughs> and it, there's just, there's a humanist side to this. There's a, most of the people, and this is going to sound weird, and we can get into the conversation why in a minute, but... yeah. Most of the people I know who at one time were believers and are now atheists, it's because of the love they have in their hearts for humanity mm -hmm. that make them turn against the God of the Bible. Mm -hmm. So they, these people are really loving, they're really peaceful, yet they're sort of branded in our society as evil or demonic, and it's just not the case. It's quite the opposite. They're some of the sweetest human beings you'd ever meet, so... That that level of misunderstanding is why I love having those conversations in front of, in front of congregations. Mm -hmm. It's it's a really eye opening thing for a lot of people. And I brought my mom last time too. Yeah. Oh yeah. My mom was swarmed at and the end of it because they were like, "How do you have a son that's an atheist? How do you talk to him? Does he come to Christmas? Does he come to Easter?" There were so many questions for her. You know? Yeah. Yeah. She loved it. Yeah. In fact, you were with um, I think your wife and son mm -hmm. were with you as well yep. at the time. Yep, and daughter too. I don't know if and my daughter. daughter and my daughter came. I don't remember if she was. I don't think she made it yeah, for whatever reason. I don't think so. Yeah. Um, okay, so here's one of the questions I had. For, and by the way, that is still on. If you go to southspring.org and you go down the seminars, I checked this morning to make sure it's still. It is. It's still there. You can go back and watch that. Uh, uh, that footage is as well. A, is there a number conversation? For, oh, it's video too. It's video. Oh, yeah, I it was video and audio. Video. I was probably picking my nose and all kinds. <laughs> no, we were in front great. of everybody. We okay. were. We were. We were both well behaved up there on the okay. stage. Um, is there a number to it? Like, how can they find it? Like, if they get to it. They scroll through. I'm sure it's, it's, it's if you if it's at South Spring and you go to talks or teaching and you go down to the seminars, it's right there on the oh. main page. Oh, okay, it's cool. easy to find. Very cool. easy to find. All right. Cool. Um, so that's at southspring.org. The um, uh, one of my questions. So I was curious. You've we've not talked. A lot has happened in your life, and a lot has happened in the world since 2017. And uh, and one of our conversations uh, that we have periodically is uh, the need to deconstruct faith in humanity which is obviously kind of the opposite of a humanist perspective. And so I was curious for you, big area, any, any changes in your beliefs in the last four or five years, any changes in your beliefs or any, any viewpoint changes or any, any different questions, any questions you've now had answered that you're like, okay, I need to take that off the table as a barrier or, or, or whatever. Just curious. You know, Maybe spending a lot of time in comedy clubs with a bunch of drunk people at three o'clock in the morning. Maybe I like humanity a little less than I did last time. <laughs> but overall, no, it's pretty, you know, still pretty solid. I mean, um, I, I would say that some of the 
Bible verses that I would latch on to early on. I don't know if I did this in 2017. Okay. Uh, I have applied a little more context to and stopped using those as arguments. Okay. Okay. Uh, not that there's still not plenty more to talk about sure. and disagree with in the Bible, but there are, when, when atheists are brand new, they're typically very angry, right? They feel like they've been lied to. They feel right. Uh, they're going to reject Christmas. They're going to reject everything, even culturally Christian. They're very upset. And with a, you know, I understand. I get it. You know, they feel they feel uh, lied to and betrayed, and they feel duped and things like that. But um, they'll kind of latch onto verses like there's a parable I believe that Jesus is is saying. I think the quote is something like bring him bring the, the unbeliever before me and I'll slay him or whatever. The words are in red, so it's quoted as Jesus. And these guys will just latch on to go, look, Jesus wanted every atheist murdered. And like, he was a terrible person. And I'm going, no, like that. He was telling a parable of a king saying that. It wasn't the word okay. of Jesus saying mm-hmm. that. And so they're, you know. They're I was little, like, I cannot think possibly of what no, 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 it passage. Was, okay, that's right. what you're and saying. So, so little things like that. Uh, a lot of times in these conversations, especially apologists, especially the trained apologists, their go-to phrase is, you're taking that out of context, right. which make atheists typically roll their eyes into the back of their head because that's a go-to argument for anything you can't explain. It's context, context, context. And co- that's not always the best answer for that, you know, uh, but sometimes it is, and a situation right. like that would be what it is. But no, I would say that uh, I'm a little more careful as to the, the, the Bible verses I may use, but overall, I don't really have, I feel like I've never really had barriers i mean other than just logically thinking through things and i guess i walk up to that line of faith and go i just need more evidence that's the only difference between us you're willing to stop short and say i don't have absolute proof but i believe this with my heart and and uh, i'm gonna have faith that this is true and i stand at that same crossroad and say i can't step foot on that until i fully believe it so i i can't say that i have faith until I do. Yeah. And that's really the difference. It's, I wouldn't call it a barrier. So growing up, were you like a big question asker at church? Did you always ask the... Yes. Okay. Even before church. Okay. I was, I got nicknamed Encyclopedia Boy by my mom and sister because I was always trying to, I wanted to look things up. Yeah. Are you going to stab me? No. No, sorry. Oh. <laughs> He just pulled a knife. I just never had it's a pastor. Enti- entirely a fingernail oh, issue. Oh, okay. I just never had a pastor pull a knife on me in the middle of the conversation. <laughs> I'm funny. glad I'm closest to the it's door. Right, I just right, want right. to back out of here. Besides, it's Texas. I, we are in Texas. I was exactly like, right. Yeah, this like, is normal. You're way more likely to shoot me. Than exactly right. Yeah. I think people are always surprised. If you go to our, our welcome desk, like oh, a first-time yeah. visitor, you can get a knife. You can get a pocket knife. I think, did I give you a pocket knife when you were here? No. I'm sorry. No, no way so. I didn't. That's one of those, you know, you're in Texas when uh, that's your <laughs> welcome. Hey, since church, you drove, you since you drove, I can grab you one before we leave. Yeah. yeah. Guests, guests of the yeah, out 20, church can get a pocket knife if they out want. out 25s too, or a little, little pocket gun. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, none of those. No. Oh, okay. We're not that far along yet. It's so <laughs> yeah. funny. What you were saying there about having to look stuff up, it, I was trying to explain even like to my kids, I was explaining this to my daughter not long ago, who's a teenager. I was like, listen, growing up. So this is, we're obviously a little older than you, probably by 10 years. But when a movie was done in the theater, it was done. Like, you were done seeing it. When I was right, a kid, right. oh, like yeah. when Star Wars stopped showing, you're like... Unless you bought another ticket or sat through it or whatever. Right, or they, re- was over. Or they re-released it. But it's the same thing with, uh, if, you, if you don't know something. Like, you're driving with your friends, and you're like, I wonder what the lyrics are. And that's like, I can't tell. And you, you should be like... Yeah, I don't know. And then you just kind of go on with your yeah. life. Yeah, exactly. And now you can literally look it up now, or you can be like, well, what year was the whatever? And we'd always be like, 
Well, when we get home, we have encyclopedias and we yeah. can look those up. But. And I had, I was very low income. I was very poor, but we had an old set of encyclopedias from the sixties. Okay. And I remember hearing my mom and my sister argue about how far away the earth was from the sun. Uh-huh. And one was like, it's got to be like a million miles. The other was like, no, it's a couple thousand miles for sure. <laughs> and they were fighting about it. And I was like, this is, I was like maybe eight or nine. And I was going, this is not an argument that should exist. Like, there's an answer to this. Right, so exactly. Climb up on the hutch. I don't know if you guys remember. Is it 93 million? A hutch. Yeah. yeah. Is it? Yeah, very good. Yeah. Thank you. And so I, I, I climb up and I find the, the part with the sun and I'm barely understanding words and I just find the picture and I go, it's this number. And they're like, oh, get out of here, encyclopedia boy. <laughs> like they were, and I was shocked that they weren't interested in facts. Right? Yeah, like, exactly. You don't care. You just want to keep having this ridiculous fight, even though the answer is right here in front of you. And so little things like that, I would always want to look things up. I always yeah. wanted to know. And I, that's, that was my drive for learning to read is figuring out the answers to yeah, stuff. Absolutely. And my mom even said they stopped buying me toys because all I would do is take them apart. Yeah, right. I wanted to know what made the wheels turn. I knew it wasn't magic. Why is it that when you pull the car back and let it go, it just knows to take off? Yeah. That freaked me out, and I wanted to get to the bottom of it. So then I would get to the bottom of it, have it in pieces, figure out how the crank system worked, and then I would just be bored with it and leave it in pieces. <laughs> I just destroyed all of my toys instead of playing with them. So, yeah, I was, I was always a question asker, including in church. Yeah. yeah, It's not always welcome. I don't know if you know that. Well, that's what I was going to say. Did you feel like were people frustrated with you? Was there anyone you met that was like, I'm really glad you're asking these questions. Or oh, no. Usually no. met with No, doubting. they didn't like it. They okay. didn't like it. And in fact, my pastor, when I was playing the drums in uh, in Everman, Texas, uh, my pastor got upset with me for asking questions and asked me to stay after church one day and walked me into his office. And, and he's like, we're going to settle this once and for all. Like, you, you, What questions do you have? You ask me now privately. I don't want you spreading demonic poison in my church. Mm. And I was mm. like, okay. He's like, so what questions do you have? And I said, well, so my first thing, this is what I start my book with. I go, was Jesus the son of God or is he the same as God? Mm-hmm. And he's like, well, Jesus is the same as God. Let me show you. And he went from verse to verse to verse to verse, showing that Jesus was in fact our Lord and Savior and he is God. And I went, okay, this is a Baptist church. And I'm like, cool, got it, thank you. And I go walking out of the office and I've got the Bible verses and I wrote them down and they're in my head and I was so excited. And then, then I go to work. I worked at a tire shop where these two brothers were and they were very religious. And I was so excited to share this news with them. And I was like, hey, man, I settled something. I solved my first big Christian mystery. I finally found out Jesus is not the son of God. He is the same as God. And you would have thought I had horns growing out of my head. <laughs> they were Pentecostal. And they firmly believe that Jesus and God are two separate entities and that I was a heretic. And so as upset as they were, they were like, we need to speak with you at lunch, brother. I was like, okay. So I had my Bible. They had their Bible. And they flipped open their same book called the Holy Bible right. and went verse by verse by verse and, in fact, proved to me beyond a shadow of a doubt that Jesus, in fact, is not God and is uh, the Son of God right. and pointed to very good verses. I believe it's in Mark 10 where uh, Jesus says, someone calls Jesus good, and he says, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone, right. God in heaven, depending on the verse or version. And I was like, wow, yeah, my, my, my pastor was wrong. And then I left work that day going, okay, this book they call the Bible, uh-huh. is it really a book? Uh, is it a collection of books? How did they translate it? How could there be so many contradictions? What's going on? So I go back to my pastor. 
And I tell him, I'm like, well, I got bad news. I have more questions. He's like, well, what now? And I'm like, well, I just don't understand how they can show me this. And he's like, well, that is heresy. And I said, that's what they said about you. About you, right, exactly. So how do we know which one (laughs) has God on their side? And then he sat down and told me about the Trinity. And he's like, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. He's like, they don't have that. In the Pentecostal church, they don't understand it the way we understand it in the Baptist church. You have to know that the Trinity is is very important to us. He said, it's like an egg. An egg is one egg, but it's three different <laughs> oh, parts. No. Uh, yeah. This was my introduction. Another, to another, oh. another mistake. Terrible apologetic argument. Uh, yeah. And he's like, you've got the yolk, you've got the, and he does the whole thing. He's like, it's three things, but it's one thing. And even as a 16-year-old, I remember walking out of that church, and as I'm going down the steps, I'm thinking, Oh, because he had told me, he goes, you can be a, he goes, you're a father, you're a brother, you're an uncle, but you're still David Smalley. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I remember walking, as I was walking down the steps, I thought, yeah, but I can't be an uncle to my niece and a brother to my niece and my niece's father, (laughs) not to the same person. And I'm already confused as I'm walking out. So my confusion time got smaller and smaller. Uh I didn't quite have the internet yet. That wasn't until a couple more years before we had computers in our houses. (laughs) But uh, I was was kind of, I started, the biggest piece of it for my deconstruction was the Bible started to lose credibility as Mm -hmm. a, as a, as a truth source yeah. Yeah. because it was so up to someone's interpretation. So, yeah. yeah. So no, the questions were not welcome. They were quite frustrating yeah. for me to ask people. Chris, were you a question asker? I really wasn't. Okay. I, 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 I was more, not until I got into college where I was going, yeah, what, what do I believe in? Why do I believe it? Right. I didn't really think about it. I was. Yeah. I, we 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 I think Dave and I talked about this years ago and we were on the pod like that that is something we share. I was the same like you know, I heard a couple of different times like don't we don't ask those questions here or we don't ask those kind of questions yeah. here. And especially and I have to say Sunday school. Yeah. Especially Sunday school. Right. So I had the good news, I mean for me it's intriguing. I had a Sunday school teacher who was happy to hear the question, which I can imagine looking back on little redheaded attention deficit disorder, that kid that I was, how often she must have just taken a deep breath. Yes, <laughs> yes, Chris. Like, I can just imagine how often that must have happened. And and she didn't have answers. And a lot of my questions were probably pretty nonsensical growing up. But they, she was always willing to listen and always willing to talk to me about it. There was never condemnation from her. Other people within the church, there was some more. And then growing in moving churches when I was 14 – there were some some Sunday school teachers who had a hard time with the questions. We don't ask those kind of questions. But the the good news was the pastor himself and my student minister never had a problem with it. Mm-hmm. And so, <clears throat> I mean, I'm <clears throat> sorry. I just went through. By the way, my kids who listen to podcasts called that the the old man cough. <laughs> <laughs> like I did that, and yeah, yeah, David, there you go. See, yeah, it's closing no, in there. Funny. Um, funny. And so uh, he was like, he was like, oh, that's your old man cough. I was like, oh no. <laughs> anyway. And so I was, but what made the huge difference, I, I think what made the difference for me was having a dad who was a scientist and a Christian and who loved questions. I mean, we we would drive to Wyoming and back as a family every year, and we would discuss these things. I'd read a book, he'd read the same book, or he'd read a book and then give it to me, and we would we'd go back and forth. Mm-hmm. And so my mom would have a, well, we later found out were bipolar headaches, but at the time we just thought were headaches, but was... And so we would, he and I would just discuss these things endlessly. I mean, we solved World War One, we solved World <laughs> War Two, we solved oh, that's uh, the Renaissance, we solved. I mean, we we would have these deep 
deep back and forth conversations. And, um, and it was always invited. It was invited for me to ask those questions. And so when I was 19 and became a student minister the first time, which how ridiculous is that? Spe- speaking of right. being the newbie. Said. And right, yet, right. Um, but, uh, but man, so I, I tried to teach something, you know, spiritually deep, like the, like spiritual gifts or something. Intri- I didn't know what to teach these kids. And so I taught for about 30 minutes and all of them were done. I mean, they were done at two minutes. And I said, you know what? Enough of this. Um, clearly, this is not what you guys want to talk about. What, what do you guys want to talk about? So here's what we'll do. We will On Wednesday nights, you can ask me a question. And if I have an answer, I'll give it to you. If I don't, I'll make it up. And then I'll go look up something and see if I was right. And we, we told lots of jokes about that. But the, then saying, we'll do it. And so for years, every Wednesday night was me just going, okay, what do you guys want to ask? And the very first question was, why do we sing those songs? And, uh-huh. and I said, is that, that's, that's the, actually, I was second, because the first question was, by the way, how does this date me, by the way? First question was, 14-year-old girl, do you think we're all going to die in a nuclear war? Wow. Anyway, tells yes. you what era we grew up in. I grew wow. up in. But, the, um, but um, the second question was, why do we sing those songs? And, and I said, is that, she goes, is that okay to ask that question? I've asked that before, and I've been told not to ask those questions. And I was like, of course you can ask those questions. Who would, who would say that? I don't. Anyway, that's a scary version of that. So conversations like the Trinity, when I think about it, I don't know that those were, I don't know how much those were happening for me. I guess they were happening in church and in Sunday school, but it's they were con- also happening at home. It's a confusing concept. It, 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 yeah. And so it's a, like, like, okay, so just take, we, I don't know if we've discussed Trinity here. We have in church, but the, that's the, the, the your pastor made a lot of the, you know, the classic yeah. blunders don't involve, get, don't get involved in a wan, and land war in Asia, right? That's the first classic blunder. But the, um, um, with the Trinity, just he's a right there. It is not weird that things can be three and one. That isn't weird. And that's what all those examples show. You can, something can be three and be one. That's not strange. A lot of things are three and one, but God's trait of threeness and oneness, it has a unique expression that does, because it's unique, all analogies therefore become error at some point but i think that would be true of any individual any 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 the, complex the thing, creature complex being the thing for atheists that's the most confusing about it or that's a barrier as yeah, you, as yeah, you yeah. say is that when when christians say and this is a uh, sort of this pinnacle of christianity to say for god so loved the world he gave his only begotten son it's right, right. john 316 it's it's probably the most the most Christianized tattoo on the planet. Right. I just say, no, he didn't as an atheist. Right. And that sounds awful. That sounds like I'm throwing away a gift someone has given me. Right. But the reason I say that is because God, in in your belief, has his son today. Right. So he didn't give him. He didn't sacrifice him. Right. (coughs) Excuse me. But he... He he also came up with the entire plan himself. Yes. And yep. if he is three in one, then he sacrificed himself sort of for himself because of his own rules he set out requiring the sacrifice of himself. And it's just such a bizarre necessity to put on oneself if you are the God creating the rules. Right. So it seems very circular and bizarre. Right. And which a lot of atheists will laugh at it and be like, oh, he sacrificed himself to himself because you were a bad boy. And it's, it's, it, they kind of mock Christianity with sure. it. But it's, it's a confusing line of thought. And that's why the Trinity is such a, such a, 
such a breaking point for so many atheists is because if God made the rules and right. required the sacrifice and he knew he was going to suffer as part of the sacrifice, like none of it would even be, God could just say, I forgive you. In fact, there's a, there's a, a presenter, an atheist presenter named David Fitzgerald. He, uh, he's an author. He wrote several books. He's a good friend of mine and a, a wonderful speaker. And he pretend he's talk he talks about this in, in his presentation. Right. You know, crowd full of people at an atheist convention or a science talk or whatever. He'll pretend to make a mistake. He'll skip a slide. Right. And he'll go, Oh, I'm I'm so sorry, guys. Hold on, hold on. And he stops. It's very believable. And he'll go, I'm sorry, guys. Do you forgive me? And the whole crowd always goes, Yes. Like, you seriously forgive me? You go, Yes. He goes, Congratulations. You're better than God. Mm. And they all laugh. And he goes, I say that because I requested forgiveness. You knew I made a mistake. And you just forgave me. Nothing needed to bleed. Nothing needed to die. No right. blood required. You just forgave me. Why do people worship a God that goes, well, I would forgive you, but first, first something needs to die. There right. needs to be some blood. There needs to be some pain. And, and why would we worship a God that would require such pain in order to just forgive someone? As an atheist, I forgive people all the time. You know what I mean? So that's that's where that comes in and that's why that's such a barrier for for atheists to go this guy's making the rules he could change the rules at any point why does he require that blood sacrifice even if it's a goat you know even if it's a, like in the in the in the in the testing of Abraham with with Isaac, uh, with Isaac right he tells you know uh, Abraham to go kill his son and in the last moment he stops him and that's what the Christians go yeah but then he stopped him and I go yeah and then you know what happens there was a ram caught in the thicket and he goes right. sacrifice that instead what why are we killing the ram? Why is this even necessary? Why are we doing this? It's very archaic. It's very barbaric. Uh, you would think God would be above that. Now, if these were just like, mm. you know, illiterate fishermen hammering, hammering out a story, it makes sense for that time and place. Mm -hmm. But God is the alpha, the omega. God should be above all of that. He shouldn't be restricted to the time in which this book was written, right? He should be above that. And, and, Instead, we see the time stamped all over the Bible as opposed to God's timelessness, which makes us doubt that he had anything to do with it. So when you have people on, do you ask that every time? Is that your main go-to, or you know, how do you feel people respond? I, I try to. Here's the problem with that, because you know, on one hand, I'm an atheist, and I'm, I'm a comedian, and I want to have good dialogue. On the other hand, I'm, I'm a producer for this show. Like mm -hmm. I'm trying to produce content. And I have listeners that are signed up on Patreon to get behind-the-scenes content and extended shows, and I have uh, sponsors that pay to be... And I just can't be that repetitive. So as badly as I want to okay, ask those okay. questions, and I still do sometimes, because the Christian who comes on probably isn't a listener, right? So they don't know that I'm going to ask the question. And then I do, and on one hand, atheists go, I'm so glad you asked that guy that question. And then I hear from other people going... If you ask that question one more time, <laughs> I'm unsubscribing, right. you know. So I have this weird balance of like I'm trying to create content, but I'm also trying to get through to someone. Yep. Um, so typically they'll say to that question, they'll say, I don't know, but I have faith that all questions will be answered in the end. And they stop thinking about it. Mm. And and I will just say, <clears throat> it's kind of a cop out to me that's giving up on it. Yep. And and I want to believe things that are true and I want to you know, not believe in things that don't have evidence. Mm -hmm. And so I never really get a clear answer as to why that is. I yeah. Do. I, can I can we give talk you, about that here? Can sure, yeah, this? let's do it. If you want, let's take a minute. We got, we got plenty of time. Because I think it's great. Because really what you're talking about is the big, the big picture of everything. It's not just a, a verse. It's the big why, which I think is, is great. Yeah, absolutely. So my, my initial thought is, and then you can yeah, please, chime yeah, in anytime. Yeah, cool, man. The, 
God's nature himself requires justice being done. In other words, God's uh, we, you would probably have grown up hearing God is love, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, but in other words, because God is also holy, he can demand perfection because he's perfect and heaven's a perfect place. So only holiness can be there, right, in his presence. If he's that holy, if it's, if it's true, like all the all-consuming, amazing holiness, purity of God, then evil can't be in his presence. Can I, can I ask a question? Yeah. That? I think the issue is why would he? So if, if <clears throat> Pastor Leg is, is in charge of a lot of things around here, he has authority, he has humility, he has respect, he has kindness, he has love. If he demanded perfection, and I get it, he's not a God, I understand, but it's, this is just analogous. When someone has that level of respect and authority, they tend, the good leaders tend to be forgiving, understanding, and loving. If he instead demanded absolute perfection or instant justice, eternal fire, burning and pain and blood, I don't think he would be the pastor of this church much longer, right? And I think the same is true for leadership, for presidents, for anybody that we look up to and respect. We might fear a crazy president who did that, Mm -hmm. but I don't think we would respect them. Yeah. So I know God can demand perfection because he's so holy, but the question is, would something that powerful and that holy, what reason would he have to demand perfection? Why would he, and he made us and he knows that we are imperfect, so why would he demand something of us that he knows is impossible and then punish us for something we really don't have a whole lot of control over? So I think part of it is the way, though, you're viewing even, because my view actually is, it's amazing that he actually made a way for us to be with him forever in his presence. And I think you're, in other words, you're looking at it as, oh my goodness, he's such a mean guy, he wouldn't, you know, he would demand that, where I'm going like, oh my goodness, he's so amazingly powerful and pure and awesome, and he's done everything possible to make a way for us to be there, in spite of our own bad choices and sin and things like that. Right, but he, wouldn't, I'm he wouldn't need to make a way. He could just allow you to be there. Well, unless, but if, okay, so I'd have to back up and just go, okay, if I'm not perfect, though, if I'm not perfect, then I can't be in, a, in his presence because I have sin in me, right? And so it's not him going, I'll just pretend that I'm not holy anymore. In other words, he's going, I'm going to make a way for you to be in my presence, but in your natural state, because of sin, you're not going to be able to experience that. Right, but didn't he create sin? Oh, no. Mm-mm. He created evil, you, right? No, mm, no, 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 no. The Bible says he did. No. Isaiah no. 45, 7 says he created evil. Uh, I don't know. Depending on the ver- version, some versions say he created calamity, but there are versions, I think the King James says, I, the Lord, do all these things. I create good, I create darkness, I create light, I create, uh, sorry, light and darkness and good, and I create evil. He says it in Isaiah 45, 7. So he created, he created evil. Yeah, as, it's, not, it's not the Hebrew word for evil. Yeah, so it's I think co- you're talking about co- bad yeah. things happening, him allowing it. I think the well, e- evil I mean, can, itself. No, I, let I, I me wanna, rephrase since I said that. Yeah. So the Hebrew word there is ra, which um, given the context, so peace is the first one. I make, I bring forth light and darkness. I make forth peace. And so the best de- off play of peace, he doesn't use the moral word. He doesn't use the word for moral word or the good for 
word for good, moral good, in the first one. So the first one is going to be, I make this and I make the opposite. I make this and make the opposite. And the first one is, I make well-being, shalom, peace, and I make lack of peace, ra, ra, which in this context is going to mean... Well, lack of peace. Disruption. Lack of peace. Okay. Disorder. The the King James, I believe, says evil. It probably does. There are a lot of versions that say evil. The The more modern versions say calamity. Right. Which is still disaster and destruction. Sure, and absolutely. A lot of terrible things. Even if it's just the lack of peace, that could be considered evil or discomfort or something awful. But uh, going back to your point, the, uh, the traditional Christian view is that he, by giving man free will, he created the potential for evil. Right. But we made it actual. In other words, making us free creatures, we've got the option there. He's... He, so he's making it where okay, it's going to be your your choice there. But he didn't actually create evil or or make it a thing. Well, he, did he create Lucifer? Yeah, we would say he created Lucifer when he was in angel. in heaven. Right, yeah. he was an angel. But even as an angel in heaven, Lucifer chose against God. Right. Apparently, yeah. So 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 he had the free will before evil existed. Well, we don't want to. We don't know when he fell. Some people would say it actually is. Genesis 6 when he fell, but it could have been before Adam and Eve. But either way, it's still not God creating it. By God giving, creating something that had freedom, whether it's man or angels or whatever. Okay. So evil, evil. I, I agree with C.S. Lewis's perspective on evil, that evil, when you come to look at it, is the pursuing something good, just in the wrong way. And so, so God creates good. Good is, evil, evil depends on good. Good does not depend on evil. And so you can have moral goodness exists. And so evil is a descriptive word like cold or dark. So there's no such thing as dark. You can't measure dark. You can measure light, and then you can create a word to describe its absence, dark. You can measure heat, and you can create a word to describe its absence, cold. You have moral goodness in the character of God, and you can create a word to describe its absence, evil. And so it's not... It's not Evil isn't created by God. Evil exists as a anything that would be less than the character of God, which would never actually uh, eventuate. It would never actually come into existence unless God created something that had freedom. And that okay. would then, if that thing chose something other than the character of God, you would call that evil. So God isn't creating moral evil any more than he would create darkness. He would create light... And then a thinking, thinking things would have a word for its absence. So that, that Bible verse that says he did create that, what do you think they're getting across there? So what he's, in Isaiah, he's clearly describing, I am, I am the creator of, of all of this. Like, of, I'm the source kind of, behind this. He's kind of flexing that I'm every, I do everything. Yes. So like the right. calamity, yeah, he is, I think he is saying, I'm the one who made, right. uh, I'm the one who brings peace. I'm the one who, and I think actually, I mean, that would be a separate question, which I think is a, it is a tough question. And you and I spent, it's been a long time, but I think we spent a long time talking about it, is what we would call natural evil or natural suffering, like tsunamis and earthquakes. And, and that's probably what he's talking about there is I create calamity, big, big things like that. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Reconstructive Faith. If you enjoyed what you heard or were challenged, please leave us a review. It'll help other people find us. If you have questions or a topic you'd like to hear discussed, shoot me an email at info at southspring.org. 
Reconstructed Faith is a resource of South Spring Baptist Church. Remember, don't give up, trust God, search for answers.